Hello, I'm Kirsty McCabe from the Royal Meteorological Society, and I'm really excited to be joined by two people who have the coolest job in meteorology, Commander Rebecca Waddington and Flight Director Nikki Hathaway from the NOAA Hurricane Hunters. First up, Rebecca. How did you become a hurricane hunter? Was it something you always wanted to do? Were you apprehensive about it? Were you a meteorologist first? Or tell me, how did it all start? I was a meteorologist first. I actually never had planned on becoming a pilot. I went to school for meteorology and loved every minute of it. And when I was graduating, I honestly was not ready to sit in an office. And I came across the NOAA Corps, and NOAA is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. So I joined, I went to sea for two years, and then I got stationed at the National Hurricane Center, which for a meteorologist, this was the pinnacle. This is where I wanted to be. I still wasn't ready to sit in an office, so I had applied for flight training, and I was fortunate enough to get selected. So I went to flight school and have been flying ever since, and I love every minute of it. And Nikki, what about you? I knew I wanted to be a meteorologist since the third grade. I grew up in Florida, so hurricanes were prevalent, and sometimes it kept me out of school. We'd have hurricane days, and I was a big nerd growing up. So I wanted to know why I essentially wasn't able to go to school. Like, what was this storm? Why was it so bad? And why couldn't I ride the school bus and go to school? During my time in college, I interned with the NOAA Aircraft Operations Center, and so that's where I really learned about the job. Being a forecaster was a great starting point in my career before applying for this one and and landing my dream job. You mentioned that the third grade was a turning point for you. Was there a particular storm that year? So the storm wasn't until the sixth grade, but the reason why third grade was relevant is because that's when we first started learning about latitude and longitude. And we were tracking the hurricanes as they'd approach from Africa or the Caribbean towards the United States. And that was really what allowed me to realize, wow, this storm can move all the way across these oceans. And so the storm that really solidified it for me was Hurricane Charlie. That was in sixth grade at the time. It was a very, very strong storm, a major hurricane. And that's when I knew that'd be my focus if I ever went into the world of meteorology, which I was lucky enough to be able to do. Now, Rebecca, has anything surprised you? Obviously, you knew a lot about storms in terms of the theory, but when you actually flew into one, was there anything that surprised you that you weren't expecting? You know, the biggest thing about hurricanes is that everyone is different. My first season, most of the time we spent out in Hawaii, which was kind of fortunate for me in that sense. But those storms were very small. Our flight track, we never even ended up in a cloud on those ones because they were so compact. And then in the Atlantic, we've had storms that are absolutely huge. And we're in clouds or instrument meteorological conditions the entire flight. And I know hurricanes are destructive, but from a meteorologist standpoint, as I'm sure you can imagine, uh, they're, they're beautiful. It's incredible to see the power in nature. And to be able to see that up close is really rewarding. Do you take little pictures with your phone when you're All the up there? time. And what about you, Nikki? I presume you remember the first time you ever flew into a storm. So my first storm I got to fly was actually during my internship days. I remember being on the plane, um, sitting in the cockpit that let me sit um, kind of behind the pilots, get a very great view of what we were flying through. My first storm was a tropical storm. That said, some of the tropical storms are actually the bumpiest. This, it's, this was Tropical Storm Karen for me. And I just remember going through the storm and having this moment of, wow, the thing that I'm spending my life studying, 
I'm inside of right now. How many people can say that they've been in the center of a storm like this? The ride, of course, was bumpy. Um, you know, some folks get nauseous. Um, I have a really strong stomach, so I was I was grateful I didn't have those issues. If you're not into roller coasters, I would say it might not be something <laughs> to enjoy. <laughs> Fair enough, because you don't just fly. I mean, people have this idea that maybe you just fly over the storm and drop in some instruments, but you're actually in the storm. Yes, ma'am. I mean, we were penetrating the eye essentially anywhere between 8 to 12K. All of our, our, our heavy aircraft are named after the Muppets. Um, so you have Kermit and Miss Piggy for the two P3s and Gonzo for the high-flying jet. So the P3s are the ones that are going to be cutting straight through the eye of the storm, flying at much lower altitude versus Gonzo is up at 40K. What about you, Rebecca? So I fly our Gulfstream 4, and we do not fly that one directly into the middle of the storms like we fly our P3 aircraft. Uh, the Gulfstream 4 is a high-altitude research jet, and kind of a, liken it to the luxury model, where the P3 is a sports model and can handle all that turbulence. The luxury model, G4, is a little more sensitive and can't handle the deep convection in a hurricane. Um, so what we're doing is flying around and above portions of the storm, uh, but we also fly really fast so we can cover a lot of ground. So we fly out ahead of the storm to sample the environment in which it's moving. This really helps us determine if it's going to strengthen, if it's going to weaken, where it's going to go. Um, so that's the mission of the of the Gulfstream 4. Now you talked about the different types of aircraft that you use. Why are they named after the Muppets? Rebecca, do you know? I have heard several different stories Um I don't know if any of them are actually true, but the names of the planes are Kermit and Miss Piggy. Those are our P3 aircraft. And then Gonzo is our Gulfstream 4. I could tell you the origin of Gonzo. And that is because our Gulfstream 4 has a longer than normal nose. And that's to accommodate the stronger radar that we need when flying around these intense storms. As far as the origins of Kermit and Miss Piggy, the people maintaining Miss Piggy didn't quite keep the plane as clean as you might think and somebody one day said this is a pigsty we're going to call her miss piggy and kermit naturally goes along with miss piggy our missions are fairly long so we're often eating meals inside the plane and we've come up with some rules for instance no cooking fish because you cannot get that smell out of the plane talking of food nikki i imagine when you go to dinner parties you're probably the person there with the coolest job when people ask what do you do <laughs> Yes, it's, uh, it's always fun. And I usually start off by saying I'm a meteorologist just to see if there's even interest because, you know, I know the second that you tell someone you fly through a hurricane, people are, are usually pretty fascinated. When people think about um, a meteorologist or if I tell anyone I'm a meteorologist, the first thought is, oh, what, st what TV station are you on? Um, you know, that's just what the public knows. And there's so much more in the field of meteorology than just broadcasting. You know, you have the people working behind the scenes, building the forecasts, working with the local emergency managers people like me who are flying and collecting data to give to the forecasters to make those life-changing decisions. So there's a lot of things going on behind the scene than just what you're seeing on the green screen on your television. And how do people react when you tell them what you do, Rebecca? Mostly they say, are you crazy? To which I respond, maybe a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's rewarding when you think about the value of the missions. We were just told by our Admiral today that they had run the numbers and with our aircraft data, they've been able to increase the accuracy of the forecast tracks by 30%. And that's the difference between evacuating a major city or not. The work you do is great, but why can't it be done remotely using satellite data or uncrewed systems? Is there a reason why we still have people flying into storms? 
That's a great question. And there's many different reasons. Um, you think we've got satellites now and they're getting better and better, but it doesn't substitute for the information you can get from being in the storm. Satellites can see the tops of clouds, but they're not seeing the inner layers. And we are dropping instruments called drop sons that gather weather data, temperature, dew point, pressure, wind speed, everything as it falls from the aircraft down to the ocean. And that is data that helps build a three-dimensional picture of the storm that the forecasters can use to truly understand what's happening. We've launched uncrewed systems from our P3s to get the really low level data. Um, that is an area that we do not want crewed missions to be because it's just so unsafe being that low to the ground in such turbulent weather. What are the limitations with uncrewed systems, Nikki? There's no instrumentation right now that can transit from land to the storm, then be dropped, circle around, do its sampling, and then make it back home or, you know, essentially transmit it safely back to, to those folks who might need it. So have you ever had to actually abort a mission because the weather conditions were just too bad? The weather that we're dealing with on takeoff and landing, that is completely separate from the storm environment. In order to take off and land, we need to have specific winds, visibility, ceiling restrictions from the cloud decks. All those things have to be just right. But once we're actually in the storm environment, you know, we, we know what to expect. The turbulence, the winds, things like that, the rain rates, icing. You know, sometimes we get grapple uh, and hail kind of mixed in from some of the updrafts that we experience. What about you, Rebecca? We've had to abort the mission if we have something that fails on the aircraft and not to scare anybody out there, but there are a lot of components on aircraft and sometimes they don't work quite right. We have an excellent team of maintainers though. So our aircraft are very reliable, but there have been times where we've gone out and noticed something was off and elected to abort the mission because continuing to fly into those adverse conditions uh, would make the situation unsafe. Rebecca, you were part of the first all-female flight crew to fly into a hurricane. Can you tell me more about it? That was not planned. It was coincidental. And the pilot, the other pilot and I didn't even realize that it was a historic event. We didn't know that we were the first all-female flight crew until one of our male meteorologists came up to the front of the plane and said, I've got to capture this moment. I need to take a picture. You guys are the first all-female flight crew to fly into a hurricane. And we smiled for the picture and said, that's great. And then got back to, to work because that particular flight was also my first ever flight into a hurricane. So my mind was certainly focused on the mission. That was Hurricane Hector in 2018. It was in the Pacific Basin. Are there any other memorable moments? Oh, there's plenty of memorable moments. Hurricane Dorian uh, was one that definitely sticks out in my mind. That one uh, ended up sitting over the Bahamas for a long time. And of course, when a hurricane just sits in one place, it can devastate that area. It moved in a way that we were not expecting. So we took off um, out of the Virgin Islands with an expectation of where the storm was going to be. And in flight, that storm had shifted direction. Um, and that goes back to why we have people doing this. Because if you sent um, an uncrewed vehicle out there, you might not realize that the storm had shifted in such a dramatic fashion. So in real time, we had our meteorologists in the back uh, working with people on the ground through satellite link to come up with a new flight plan. And the pilots were talking to air traffic control in San Juan, requesting to deviate up to 200 miles. Of course, the air traffic controllers in Puerto Rico were on board with this because this was a storm that was going to directly affect them. Nikki, do you have a record of every storm you've gone through? 
yes, I have. Every storm was so different, and they, I have different memories looking back on on various ones, whether I was on the jet and flying high above it or really going through. You have different memories from each one, and uh, it's almost as if they take on their own personalities. I have a, a list. I keep them all, and I take some notes just for personal reference to look back on at some point in the end of my career and be like, oh, I remember that that one. Sam from 2021, that was, that was a bumpy one, or, you know, things like that. And is everybody on board a meteorologist? No, actually. Um, so usually some of our scientists are, but not all of our scientists are. Some might be engineers. The meteorologist spot is the flight director spot. Obviously, Atlantic hurricane season, that's really focused June to November. But I gather you're not really got much downtime over winter either. You're kept pretty busy too. I just came back from a month-long deployment to Anchorage. We are flying over ice, measuring ice thickness. We also have our jet out in Hawaii right now. They've been out there for almost three months in total. They're flying atmospheric rivers. So they're flying these long plumes of moisture that, that stretch across the western United States, eventually making landfall, bringing tons of rain and snowfall. Our projects can range from winter storms to snow survey to coastal surveys. We have a cruise on our light aircraft right now out there searching for whales, um, northeast right whale projects. So, you know, mammals and marine life are also being sampled from the air using our aircraft. Rebecca, as if hurricanes weren't scary enough, I hadn't realized that you also fly at night. Yeah. You never think you'd hear a pilot wishing for lightning. But I have said in the cockpit, I wish I could see some lightning so I could see where these clouds are. Flying at night is definitely an added level of difficulty. And our mission times are based on when we can get the data into the forecast models. For the Gulf Stream 4, that means we're typically taking off at 1.30 in the afternoon or 1.30 in the morning. So no matter which mission you're on, you're going to have a portion of that in the darkness. Now, Nikki, I wanted to ask you about what you're wearing. Is it a flight suit? Yes, it's a flight suit. Which looks great, but that must also make it a bit tricky going to the loo. Absolutely. If you want to talk about something that is very noticeable as a female, it is the flight suit. Sometimes they're a little trickier um, compared to what the guys uh, have to deal with. So it's fire retardant, essentially. And so it's more to protect me. They look great. The blue color is is my favorite, but they are they use for safety mostly. And unfortunately, the bathroom can be a little trickier for us ladies. What about you, Rebecca? Um, you know, it's a pretty comfortable flight suit, and they do make they do make female versions of the flight suits. But I personally think that those ones are more uncomfortable. I oh, really? Think the male version is is more comfortable, and maybe that's for my particular body type. But we do have options. Um, How is it tailored for the women? What's different? Uh, you know, I think it's the the length of the torso is shorter. Um, and I'm not sure how they decided that. And the other difference is the zipper. Um, the females only unzips from the top, whereas the male, you can unzip from the top or the bottom. But the flight seats are very comfortable. I'd say the only downside is we have so many pockets that I, I lose things. You are both such an inspiration to women and young girls. Rebecca, do you think we're breaking the bias? I think we're making progress. Um, right now, we have more female pilots than we've ever had in the organization, and it's still not 50-50, and I'm not sure it will get to that point, um, but we're definitely seeing an uptick. We have a female two-star admiral, which is really great to see the highest position in NOAA Corps um, be run by a female, and she's doing a phenomenal job. And I think the more we're out there and the more we represent in these positions, the more that the next generation will see the opportunity and get interested in it. And Nikki, do you think we're redressing that gender bias in STEM? Yeah, and you know, I, I'm I'm very proud to be in the position that I am. Female 
male, any, this position in general is just an incredible position to be in. I feel I take a lot of um, responsibility with it, you know, especially being that meteorologist on the plane, being a female in this role, it's almost like an extra tier. Being a young girl growing up wanting to be a meteorologist, you didn't see people like me when I looked up. Across our center, there are fewer female than males, right? You know, maybe 10% of us are, are females working from the center here. So you, you recognize that majority of the people you're working with are male. And most of the time when I'm on a deployment, um, if I'm lucky enough to have another uh, lady out there with me, that's great. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's just it's just me and the guys are great. It, it's You don't really feel that, especially here at the center. I think most of it is being noticed from the outside looking in just because I'm just one of the team. Finally, do you have any pre-flight rituals? Rebecca? I do pat the plane on the nose and tell it it's a good girl. <laughs> yeah, all the planes are girls, right? Yes. <laughs> Commander Waddington and Flight Director Hathaway, thank you both very much for talking to me.